Okay, John, here we are, first ever episode of the Art of Telling Story podcast. I know, it's exciting, isn't it? I'm excited. I genuinely got to say, and I'm not saying that for effect, I am excited about this because me and you all have a lot of interesting conversations. Yeah, we do have conversations, don't we? Just don't record them. But you know, I think one of the things I think the challenges we face going forward with this with this podcast um, channel is to... Try to recognise when, when there's something coming worth recording. That's not always easy. No. Because no. I don't know how you find this, because we'll, we'll introduce ourselves in a little minute, but certainly yeah. with the art you use, it's sometimes very difficult when people say, right, just do it now. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be in the zone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, and it's uh, it's all a bit foreign to me as this, so uh, hopefully it'll be, get, get a bit easier. Yeah. Well, the thing we've got to look at is we're testing out some equipment, so we're recording this, so hopefully um, this should be on YouTube as well. Yep. If it's not on YouTube, you know the video recording didn't go that well. <laughs> well you know. Um, and, you know, we're playing about a few levels because we're just getting used to his voices. So yep. this is the first episode, so if this generally is statistically the one most people listen to first. Oh, my word. To, so we've got, no, we've got a couple of minutes, John, for people to kind of be either engrossed in what we're going to be talking about or right. switch off and go listen to Joe Rogan. Or yeah. Well, you, you should do it at some point anyway, because Joe Rogan's very interesting. He is good. I like a bit of Joe. Yeah. But, so let's let's really talk about why we started this. That's what I thought we'd get out in the first few minutes. Okay, okay. Um, so, your background, I mean, your, if you like, your kind of craft. What's your craft? I'm a photographer. A stills photographer, actually. So, yeah, I'm a stills photographer, but my way is I just tell stories of people. I go into businesses and I tell their story. But usually through the people, and weddings. You know, weddings. Weddings. Yeah, well, weddings. Weddings is just a full story. You know, it's someone's happiest day of their life, and it's like, well, why not document it? You know, that that just create what's happening. Just photograph what's there. So that's what I do. Yeah. I think we should just add one more thing to what you do, John. Is you're not just a photographer. You're an award-winning photographer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, awards. Yeah. You know, very good. At, John's <laughs> we not very good. We dear, to dear, listener, dear listener, John is not the best person at selling himself. He's, got, he's, he's an award winning photographer. Um, and I, I first got interested in John because of his work, but also. Because of um, me, awards. That's why. Yeah, with his awards, I'm, I, just, I just go with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't yeah. interested in him as a person. Ooh, look just at his awards. awards. Yeah, yeah. So you're a photographer. Yep. And you do that. Okay, so my background is, um, I suppose, predominantly in the last 10 years, I would have been classed as a businessman. Yeah. Um, and within that kind of world, I used to have a logistics business, employ a few people to do that. Um, but I became increasingly interested in speaking, public speaking. Um, and then in the last probably two or three years, more interested in this concept of recording using videos. Because I went from running a business to becoming really, to be an online, I wanted to create online content. Yep. There's a couple of words that I, I mean, I'll have to use because it'll give you a little context, <laughs> but the words I don't particularly like. One is the word influencer. You want to be a rara coach. That's what you want to well, be. Do you know, I initially wanted to be Tony Ooh. Robbins. And the only reason um, I wanted to be Tony Robbins was because what Tony Robbins did for me. Yeah. You know, back in the kind of 90s when I got into personal development and improving myself, there was only Tony Robbins. Yep. And he told some really good stories. Yeah, absolutely. And And the stories he told you made you believe in yourself. Yep. And I suppose it was only probably in the last maybe three to five years, maybe a little bit longer than that, I started to understand the power of story. Yep. And I understood it. And I, I did a lot of work um, two years ago um, where I actually did a lot of work looking at stories in a different way. Specifically, I did something called the Four Seasons Program, which is where we talked about how stories were told many, many 
centuries ago, millennia I suppose, to explain the world we lived in when there was no internet and there was no TV and there were no cameras. Wow, did that exist? Wow. Well, you think about it. Sounds exciting. See, well, you think about the stories that people used to tell in the caves. You look at cave cave drawings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. was a story of something. I'm thinking yeah. the Bayo Tepa. Is it Bayo? Bayo? Bayo Tepa That thing where Adol gets Adol stuck in his yeah, eye, yeah. whatever it is. That yeah. thing. But that became a documented version of a story of our history. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I've always been interested in history and things like that. So yeah. when me and you sort of first got to know each other and we started to sort of um, build up a friendship, it was that, it, there was always this common thing came up. Yeah, it was always about story, wasn't it? was always it? about story. Yeah, absolutely. And I was always, as I suppose people tend to be, I was always impressed by other people's talent. You don't see your own, I don't think, sometimes. Nah. So I, so I know... Because people tell me I've got a reasonable way with words. You're um, all right. You have yeah, your moments. I have my moments. Yeah. And, and I, I always think when I saw your work, how impressed I was because you had a way of using your camera. Even though I had some some equipment that was similar, I could never get to use it like you could use it. Yeah. I use it upside down, though, to be fair. That's... Yeah, you do use it upside down. You get into some strange positions <laughs> with your photography, John. Um, but, but the beauty of what I liked about your work is it always, I always knew a John Steele photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that got me interested in um, photography, and it got me interested in different um, genres of photography. Yeah. So the one that we kind of talked about a lot going back last year was street photography. Yeah, yeah, well, street photography is amazing, you know. You're not allowed to do it now, you get your head kicked in, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, but, you know, just looking around and looking at the environment is amazing. You can just create so much with light and shadow and so you, someone. So you've got this thing where you tell stories with pictures. Yep. I tell stories with words. So in the same way you're looking for maybe light and circumstances that you'll think will make an interesting photograph, I'm always looking for things that happen in life that will make an interesting story. Yeah. Generally something, hopefully, that at the end of that story, somebody will have got some kind of, I don't like to use inspiration from, but... Something that gets you to think. Yeah. So for me, I certainly, and this, this is why we end up doing this podcast and we've ended up starting this art of storytelling um, thing. Yeah. I don't know what to call it, really. Is it a business? Is it a... We'll see what happens with it, eh? But that's the beauty of it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to unfold. And in some cases, I think some of the best stories, the stories that unfold. So some of my influences over the years, um, especially from a kind of speaking to people perspective, were comedians, stand-up comedians. Yeah. Um, I used to, I think one of the first ones I ever watched was Eddie Murphy, Delirious and Raw. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, you know, probably looking back now, it's very politically correct in the times we're in. Yeah. But the man was funny. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. he told stories. Yeah. And then there were there was that program where they used to do um, kind of, um, I think, was it? Where they had the comedians on a panel and then they'd, they'd throw a word out and you'd have to make a, a joke about that. Was that whose line is it anyway? Like, something like one of those things. But yeah. this idea of improvised comedy. Yeah. And I, I look at jokes like look anything. It's just a very short story with a comical end. Yeah, there's there's jokes and there's jokes, isn't there? But the the best comedians are the people who can tell stories, like Billy Connolly. Oh my word. Well, I mean Billy like, Connolly. The, the thing with Billy Connolly yeah. is. There are some comedians, the likes of, and again, if people listen to this from other parts of the world, you may not know some of these comedians, but when I was up in the 80s, there was Bernard Manning and Chubby Brown. Yeah. And, and they yeah. were just, they were they told blue Bird jokes. I didn't think they were particularly clever. They were, they were clever in an art at the time that was popular. 
The, and, it, and within that realms of stand-up comedians in a pub, in a club. Yeah, it, it was of, very working men's club. Very working men's club. Yeah. But when Billy Connolly came along, you couldn't imagine Bernard Manning doing a documentary like Billy Connolly's and documentaries. No, absolutely not. No, no. So Billy Connolly for me is the ultimate. Yeah. Storyteller, absolutely, because he agree. can tell you jokes on stage. Yep, he can play a banjo. He can tell tell a musical story. Yep, and he's also got the ability to tell a documentary and be really interesting. Yes, yeah. So, so in effect, really, why we started this podcast, I suppose, is so we can share our love of telling story. Yeah, and maybe get encourage other people to tell it because I think we both recognise this. Well, I hope we do. Otherwise, this bit of the podcast can sound really silly, but everybody's got a story to tell. And yeah. everybody can tell a story in, in in whatever way they feel comfortable. You don't have to be a professional photographer to take photographs. No, no, no. I'll... You don't have to be a professional speaker to speak to people. Nope. Because nope. you're doing these things all the time. Anybody with a phone is taking photographs regularly. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody yeah. who has a conversation with, whether it's a member of the family or anybody at work, is, is speaking to a public audience. Yep. But I kind of hoped over the course of our sort of podcasts and, and the work we're going to do around this this project is to encourage people to have faith that they are storytellers first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone can do it. It's just how they do it. You know, people people ask me things and I tell them in pictures. <laughs> like, that's how I work. That's how I see the world. I see it in pictures. I mean, even when there's like, when I was skateboarding, um, I was a skateboarder for a long time and people had asked me directions and i'd tell them the directions by the environment so i'd be like turn left go go up till you see this set of six stairs and then turn right at this well whatever handrail but and then people will say oh you know now they'll tell directions in pubs go to red lion turn right wait till you see black bull um, I, I always did pubs. Yeah, I thought you might. You know, but from your background of skateboard <laughs> and my background of drinking, yeah, not as successful. Yeah, yeah um, but, you but, know. but it's what you do. I mean, it's like you were coming yeah. in this morning and, and there was a diversion not far from where I'm living and you said, yeah. well, where am I? So what can you see? Yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah, yeah. you did something, and, and people do this to me sometimes. You said, I'm on Albion Street. I haven't got a clue where Albion Street is in Wakefield. No. I, I, I honestly don't even know what the road opposite, I know the one opposite my house is called Stanley Road, but right. I don't do names. No. I do... So I said, can you see the playing field? Yeah, can you yeah. see the new housing estate? Mm. So I think it was interesting how my work, as, as I developed as a kind of a, a business person and then into some kind of, I hate to use the word coach, but I suppose that's the only title I can put on it, learning about human behavior. Yeah. We all speak, or we all understand the world in different ways. Yeah, yeah. So some people are very, very visual. Yep. It's all pictures. Yeah, and, and other people, it's sounds. Yeah. Other people are words and numbers. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, when you get one person who discusses and, and, and understands things in, let's say, pictures, yeah. trying to explain something to somebody who understands things in words and numbers... It's not good, is it's it? It's not good. Nah. Which is why you'll find a lot of the best stories and a lot of the best storytellers will mix all those things together. Yeah, absolutely. They'll yeah. use visual, they'll use auditory yeah. or the sound, and they'll use the numbers. Yeah. You know, um, and I think it's it's like when you think about... Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yep. Well, you've got some there for everybody. Yep, you have. You've got Snow White, so people who kind of a bit touchy-feely, oh, snow, cold. Yeah, it's cold. White, that's a colour, we can imagine that. Yep. And then Seven, that's a number, so yep. people get that, and the Dwarfs, little yep. people. Yeah. 
and and all the best stories are that. And when when I was doing my training um, to, to to learn a bit more about human behaviour, it's something called NLP, and you can Google it if you listen to this. But it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. We looked at the speech done by um, Martin Luther King. All right. I have a dream. I have a dream. And if you break that that speech down, it sounds like oh, we wrote that well. That aimed at every single person. It's that something with the people who are visual. Right. Okay. I have a dream. Yeah. You know, I can see this happening. I can see my sisters and brothers, and I, I don't exactly remember the full the full speech. Right. But there's something for everybody, and I think the best stories are always going to have that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other interesting thing as well, um, I think about this whole concept of why we we love stories so much is whenever we discuss something about our life, either past, present, or future, we're creating a story around it. Yeah. Because at any one time, you're taking all this information in, like you, you've got a camera in your hand. Yep. You can take a frame, a yep. picture. Yep. But there's a hundred and one other things going on around that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we're yeah. focusing <clears> on <throat> it. So we're, we're always telling stories to ourselves in yep. our own heads. Yep. We're telling stories to other people whenever we talk to them. Yep. And also, we're always looking for those stories, I think, that mean something to us. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And like your photographs, with them look at your wedding things, some of, some of the photographs you do are, are really powerful, but one of the best photograph I've ever seen you take or seen that you've taken is is a bloke asleep in a chair. Right, yeah, yeah. That, that for me is, is, is the best. You know, that won you, an international award, did that, Gareth? Did it? There you go, an international <laughs> It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so... so yeah. I mean, people can't see because it's a podcast, clearly. Um, but try to you just try to explain that photograph as, as in in a way that somebody listening could put it into their own head. Visually, or actually how it happened. Visually, tell us what it visually looked like. Um, well, we're in a kind of a nice bar. Um, it's well, it's quite late stroke, early morning, and. Uh, it's been a wedding. It's the best man, and uh, he was worried about his speech, and he just fell asleep on a chair. And next to the next to the chair happened to be on the left hand side a picture of a dog, and then on the right hand side there happened to be a picture of a dog. Um, and both the dogs look like him, to be honest. So it's kind of he's asleep in the bottom of the frame, in the middle, and then there's these two pictures of dogs. And then there's also someone put his wife's purse in his hand as well. So it's quite an easy picture, but it's just, you know, people like it, you know, because it's different. And it tells the story. It's like it's the end of the night. So, yeah. Well, let's let's come back to that. What story do you think it tells? Because what I'm going to try to know, so that's that's a photographer trying to make something visual to somebody who can't see it. Yeah, that's what I was going for. So what yeah. I'm going to now is, as, as somebody who uses words more, yep. I'm going to try to do the same thing. Okay, dokie. Okay. Interesting. So if you can imagine now, a lot of the bars, these, try to imagine, it's a very dark room. So the walls behind the, the, the subject are very dark. And they're not black, but they're a very kind of dark slate grey. Now, I'm a colourblind. You've got to bear in mind with this, so I'm going to give you my interpretation of it. They're actually green, Gareth. But they're dark green. <laughs> no, no, I'm only joking. They're a dark green or they're grey. And the thing about this photograph, straight away you're brought into this, that everything in it is quite dark, apart from three elements. Now, if you can imagine that the dog portraits are quite bright 
And also the guy's wearing a dark shirt and he's got it kind of slightly open. So his face and his neck, because he's got a beard, they kind of stand out. So you've got these three kind of visual points of brighter photograph, brighter photograph, and this guy's face or flesh showing. And it's kind of almost, it has this feeling of the minute you look at it, you feel like you're in the bar with him. And it's very, it's the darkness I like with the light coming out. And it's also a photograph which is very, it's still, there's a stillness about it because of the, everything's a very similar colour. I agree, yeah. So if, if you wouldn't, this is the kind of, and John says it nice, it's like a nice bar. Yeah, things have moved on a few years ago from things were like flashing lights and neon. This is a very dark, subdued, very kind of, I suppose I'd class it as contemporary kind of bar. But that's what you're looking at. So you've got all this darkness and then there's three bright points, two pictures of dogs behind. And they're not normal dogs as in a photograph of a dog. They're kind of almost like caricature dogs. Like portraits. Portraits of a dog. Yeah, but it's caricatures. Caricatures, like they used to have the smoking dogs and dogs playing. Yeah, they are like that. So that's how I would explain it. Yeah. So so you see that. Two different versions. Now, tell me, from your perspective, what story do you think that photograph told? I don't know. I just... I just saw him sleeping there. I thought he's not getting away with that. Is that I'm having that. So I don't know. It's, for me, it's just the end of the night. It's the best man who was worried, and he's you know he'd he'd gone through so much. He didn't even enjoy his meal because he was panicking about his speech so much. And then as soon as he'd got his speech done, he could let his hair down and he could just get drunk. And he did get drunk. And therefore, he had to sleep, and that's the story. You know, it's the end and, of the and wedding and night. I, w- I would say that's that's not an unsimilar story to what I would make out of that yeah, photograph. Yeah. Now we're going to play it something. Okay. Right. This is what we're going to try. So, for the again for the audience, you've got two. You've got a guy sat in a chair, holding his wife's purse, dark room. Is 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 asleep, or is is certainly looks like he's asleep. So, how would you tell? How could you tell a fully story around that piece of picture? So, for instance, now explain it a different way. Make that comical. Let's try to make that comical. How would you make that comical? Comically, visually, or no, comically. The story. So that, that this is the picture. This is the story behind it. So make a comical story. But it doesn't have to be a true story. Let's oh. try and make him. There you go. This is On your toes here. You are blooming toes. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll give you my example of it. You give me your example and my. And what I want to kind of get across to listeners is how sometimes. You can make a story up around something, yeah, based on your view on it. So a story. So I'm going to give you two stories here, right? Right. I'm going to tell you a sad story, a happy story. Yep. Okay. Let's have sad first. We do always do sad first. Never leave your audience with yeah, an unhappy no. feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. This photograph was taken um, at a restaurant in um, London. And this was a restaurant that was very close to um, Tower Bridge. Now, this was on the night when there were the um, there was some shenanigans went on in London, and these terrorists went out. Right. And basically, this is a guy that's been up all night trying to find his wife. All he's got left of his wife is his purse. Ah, fair dues, yeah. There's no phone in it. He can't find a phone. He can't track it. Yeah. And he's got to a stage where he's done his very very best to stay awake. Yeah. And he's fallen asleep with his wife's purse. And all he's doing is hoping that when she wakes up, she's going to be there. I'm in tears here. That's a sad story. What about dogs? Do they have any uh, like symbolic meaning? Or the dogs just... have no symbolic meaning whatsoever. What's symbolic is this is a man that's frightened where his wife is. 
Can't find her. Fair dues. Um, so that's a sad bit. That is sad. Just to make everybody feel a bit happier, he did find his wife. Phew. There you go. Was she alive? She was alive. She was doing very well. <laughs> that's all right. She had the bar next door. Well. So what I'm saying is that's the story you could have wrote about that. Yeah. Right. So now we're doing a more... Let's have happy. Let's I'm, have it. Let's I'm have, have it. Comical. Here. Comical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, this is a picture that was taken at the end of the night and it was a stag do. Yep. Right. And basically what had ended up happening is this guy had gone out. His name's Michael. Right, and Michael had gone out with his mates. And the reason they're all in black is they went out dressed as um, snooker players. Oh, right. Right, so basically, it, Michael was all his mates, and he was dressed as, this was Ronnie O'Sullivan, because he used to always wear a black shirt. Yep. So that's why he had his black gear on. He'd taken his bow tie and he'd lost that. Right, right. And the reason he's got that purse with him is one of the things he had to do that night is he had to go out and get four items off a woman. Ah. And one of the items was a purse. Right. So basically, he sat there doing that. And for every item they didn't get, they had to take a drink. Right. So he went out as a snooker player and he found the, the purse off a woman. Yep. But the, mm. one of the five items he didn't get, he didn't get a, a bra, I think he had to get some like, um, I think the next thing he had to get is a, 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 what they call it, like a tennis ball. But basically he had to have a drink for one of them and his mates did him in. So he's absolutely pissed up at this point now. He's fallen asleep unconscious. Yeah. And that's the photograph his mates have taken just before the next photograph is where they're going to get a marker pen and draw a little moustache in his face and the eyes. Absolutely. And possibly shave his eyebrows. Yeah, like it. Like it. <clears throat> so what I'm trying to say with that is you can take a picture and you can write a story to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, what I'm always looking for when I'm out and about is I'm looking for what story is that telling me? Yeah. What could it tell me? Yep. And what's the story behind the story? Or in my case, what's the photograph behind the photograph? Yeah. The amount of people, John, that put stuff onto social media and forget to put it on. I did one this year from my holiday in Spain, put a picture of me and my missus outside this beautiful place in Ibiza. Yeah. I'd forgotten in the bottom right-hand corner of this photograph, there's some bird with big paps there. (laughs) And and, and I didn't know she was, I genuinely did. And I'm normally so good at picking that kind of stuff up. I didn't even notice you in that picture, to be fair. Nobody did. And, I, and it's one of them things. It's, you've got to look at it. So, again, I wanted to sort of just get in this idea that part of what story is for me is everything. It's, it, we're always telling stories. We're always being told a story. Yeah. And whether you like it or not, even if you say nothing, you're telling a story. How you look, how you dress, how you behave. It's always telling a story. I know. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a bit about us. You're a photographer. I tend to tell stories more with words. Yep. Let's look at some of the stuff that got us, that, that did, there was the time. And I'm trying to make this sound not so much like I'm interviewing you because it's us doing this rather than... Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I suppose we could have a bit of a kind of a Q&A session here. Q&A. So I'm going to ask you a, I'll ask you a question and then you don't have to ask me the same question, by the way. Oof. But you can ask me a question. I'm going to have to think here. What are you doing to me, man? Ah, well. It's Monday morning. We said if when we start doing this together, it'll bring us both out. I'll get better at photography, you'll get better at talking shite uh, like me yeah <laughs> right so can you can you remember and, and you can go back as far as you want here but further the better for me because you're in your are you 40s now are you? 43 so in your 40s i'm in my later 40s <laughs> when what was the first story that you class as memorable from 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 any age as young as young as you can be what what story do you remember and it can be any, it doesn't have to be anything specific or any genres. What story do you remember? What story can I remember? I, I like how you start off easy. Um, oh, jeez. Uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Oh, I love that story. It's it, isn't it? The Gene Wilder film. Or yeah. did you read it? Did you read it or did you watch it on a film? I had it at school, like 
had it read to me at school. What yeah. you got it reading? Um, but yeah, I've seen the film. Like the film, I loved, absolutely loved it. You know, so and I don't think the new one is half as good as the Gene Wilder one. So yeah, it's. Uh, do you know what I find? Do you ever hear them people that say things like, "Oh, the book was better." Yeah. How the fuck is a book better? Are we got to decide? Are we going to swear on these podcasts or not? You're a bit of a potty mouth, aren't you? Well, I'm not. I, I I'm to, not. So. You're not. Okay, well, I'll tell you that. Okay. No, you can swear. No, if you I, want. listen, I just you, have to make sure because you have to put them on the things. Hey, it's corner. all about authenticity. Yeah, well, that, authenticity is if, that, okay. That's the buzzword. People who say to me, it's better than the, the, the book is better than the film. Let me tell you how something, because I'm not the best reader, how reading something for eight hours is better than pressing a button and watching it for an hour and a half. And getting some actors in it. Yeah, you know, I like films. Um, I, like I don't films. like reading. So I like films. if you want to talk about films, I'm happier than so, that. No, but let's look at that. Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate Factory. So what bit of that was memorable to you? What what bit did you think, ah? All of it. I loved it all. Like, But I think first time you see it, you just want to go in. You want to go inside the chocolate factory because you know about it. You just want to see what it's like. You know, you want to see if it's what it is like what you've got in your imagination. Well, he sings yeah. that, doesn't he? In a world of pure imagination. Yeah, I'm not singing on this podcast, Gareth. Yeah. No, listen, John, you will have you singing before as long as you need. What I want to try to do with this is, because it, it, it happens to one of my favourite films. Did it? Oh, right, that's, that's quite it good, is, isn't it? It is good, and we didn't plan this. We didn't at um, all. We didn't, but I want you to tell me what, what meaning it has to you attached to it, and secondly, what's the favourite bit of the film? Oh, my word. Right. Oh, you see. I think meaning is just my childhood. It's like, it, it, it's one of the first books I read and one of the first films I like. Well, really... put into context of, wait, what time of, does it remind you of a particular time of year, a particular event, or is it just generally your childhood? Just generally childhood, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think it's a Christmas film or anything like that. I just think, yeah, it just takes me back. And now I watch it with my kids as well, so <clears throat> it's great. You know, it's it's just a happy film, most of it. Yeah. Favorite bit. Favorite bit. Oh my word. Uh. I think when they go in the first room and you see like you see what it's like with the like the chocolate river and everything and yeah, I think that's it. Interesting. Why? What's your favorite bit? It's going to be somewhat dark, isn't it? No, it's not dark. It's actually, there's a bit in the film that, for me, is hugely moving. And... When Grandpa Joe gets up. No, 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 no. They've gone around the factory. Oh, it's at the last end, man, isn't Last it? man standing. There's Charlie Bucket. It's at the end when he and, gives his... Tic- yeah, when he gives his everlasting gobstock. He gives his everlasting... Because his, his granddad yeah. says... Come on, we'll give this to Slugworthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his, his, well, his grandfather feels cheated. Yeah, absolutely. So therefore, yeah, yeah. he's going to get his own back. Yeah. And Charlie just turns around, yeah. and he puts it on his thing, and yeah. he walks away. It does, yeah. And that, for me, is the beautiful part of that film. It is, yeah, I agree, yeah. yeah. And it's that kind of thing that I got from it, that it's at the end of the day, he did, did the right... It, it did, it's not that he did the right thing, he did what Charlie was always going to do. Of course he did, yeah. I mean, some of the, there are some really funny bits in that film. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you look at now, the, the Oompa Loompas. got to love Oompa Loompas. I've got to say, it's become one of those things that more and more times, you start seeing things like now at the cricket, people dress up as Oompa Loompas when they're playing cricket. And, yeah. You know, at the Lords and stuff and having them yeah. days or at events. But I think that film, 
sums up for me that that kind of concept of, you know, like any great story. Yeah. It's, you know, the hero's, the hero's journey. journey. It's always, you know, there's poor old Charlie Bucket ain't got no, but yep. in the end he wins everything by being kind. Yeah. Which is kind of in a way how I, I, I like think life could be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying it always is, but, it, you know, nah. you like to be that. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, well, that's both on this list. That, that would be my top, um, certainly top 10. Would it? Yeah. What about the bit of the fizzy lifting drinks? Because that's not in the book. The fizzy lifting drinks is... That upsets me a little bit, that bit. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, 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 I'm not sure I like the concept of any kind of toilet humour. So anything that involves burping or farting, I, don't, I tend to avoid using those words. Um, but the whole thing about him nearly getting chopped up at end through the, through the thing. Yeah. It took you on a roller coaster because you wanted everybody to get the comeuppance. Yeah. And there were always certain characters that stood out for me that you know, I suppose you think is which, which character do you find most, you know, terrible. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was that um, Augustus Gloop. Was it? I uh, never liked him. I didn't like that. Idiot. I didn't like the girl who wanted everything. Was that? Oh, that was. Well, Veruca Salt. Veruca right? Salt, yeah. Yeah, nah. It was kind of, a, it, for me, it was, a, it was a story that was powerful because it told a message. Yeah. And, and there's lots of stories like that that we look at as films and things, but we don't understand the meaning behind them. It's one of the most powerful films. Now, I know a lot of people listening to this probably will understand some concept of um, religion. Um, I'm not using to myself these days, but they were lying the witch in the wardrobe. Mm, see, I haven't seen it for years, but... but... You know the concept of it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So the yeah. concept is these people go into another land. Yeah. The the lion comes along, yeah. the hero. Yeah. Um, the lion gives up his life to save the boy who has been a bit of a knob. Yeah. Um, and in the end, the, you know, something happens and the lion appears back again. Yeah. That was, that was basically... Um, the story of Christianity. Yeah. The, the line was supposed to be Jesus. All right. So his story. Aslam if you is believe Jesus. it, if you believe it, that Aslam, right. you know, gave his life for the people. Anyway, so a lot of these stories have a lot of meaning in them. Yeah. And I think the ones we watch when we're younger have a a big impact on us. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny you mentioned the first when you go into that room. You like that scene when you when you first opened up into that first room because all of a sudden this world appeared. Yeah. One of my favorite films of all time. This would be in the top five. And, you know, this is not particularly a film I, that, that most people would probably guess. They'd be thinking, what is it? You know, is it Godfather? Is this? It's actually The Wizard of Oz. You weirdo. I love yeah. The Wizard of Oz. And I love The Wizard of Oz because that reminds me of when I was a child. It's very much a Christmas film or Easter. Because you're a munchkin, is that why? Do you know is what that... I love about that film is there's a scene in it where it starts off in black and white. Yeah. And then she rolls about in the house, it lands on the floor. Yeah. And she's, you know, opens the door and it's, you know, what she says, you know, yeah. we're not in a Kansas anymore, Toto. Yeah, yeah. But when they open that door and that's, that the, 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 what they call it, fills, does the, the, the screen fills with colour. Yeah. I think that's an amazing bit of work. Yeah, absolutely. What a yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I can't imagine it now. I'm thinking, well, I'm coming from a point of reference where I can't remember black and white films. Yeah. But to be at a point where the majority of films you watch are black and white, and then that to happen in a th- in a theatre, yeah, must have had so, a, yeah. such a wow factor. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I suppose we've had the equivalent now. We're growing up of the special effects. Yeah, and we thought, oh, we'll get the special effects. But if you, the, the, I love the story, I don't, I don't really watch it anymore because I think sometimes with some stories and films, 
the more you watch the Wizard of Oz now, you realise it's just pants. The, yeah. The, 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 even the, the munchkins and walking and all, it's just it, it's just not quality. No. But, you know, there's a lot of things you can kind of see, but it's a string with stuff dangling on it. Yeah, but that doesn't matter, does it, really? didn't matter then, because it was... Yeah. And again, this is important it's from our message. It's the story. It's the, it's the content of the story. Yeah. Okay, so there, I've asked you about your films. Go on, you can ask me some now references to the story. Who are your favourite character in uh, Wizard of Oz, by the way? The wizard. The wizard? Mm. Why? Because a little little man trying to be a big man or something. I'll tell you what it was. It was it was the way that in the end you, you saw it because the characters as, as if anybody knows the wizard of Oz, you don't know the wizard of Oz, where have you been? Um it was the way that he was portrayed to start with as the kind of carnival man in the because he ran off initially and he's yeah. and he's cooking sausages yeah. over his thing. Yeah. And then he appears again as the wizard. <clears throat> And there's this idea that he's behind this scene, the great, all-powerful Oz. Um, and he's quite audible, is the, is the Wizard of Oz, until the party gets kind of bubbled and Dog opens up the curtain and there he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he comes out behind, he gives that really simple advice. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, I always remember the bit that he says, um, what, what do you want to the, uh, to the Tin Man? He said, oh, he says, I want a heart. Mm. Oh, he said, he said, he said, you don't know how lucky you are not to have one. Yeah, yeah. This is because until you can't make, until we find a way of making them, they can't be broken and all that kind yeah. of thing. And I felt that the wizard in the end became, he got found out and then he opened up with some real wisdom. Right. So it wasn't about miraculously making somebody disappear into another country. Yeah. In the end, his advice and his wisdom was really simple. Yeah. And I liked that. I liked, so he was my favourite character. Right. I think. So who's, be, who's been your like, most favourite character in a film ever? See, I'm making you think now. There's there's many and, and no and I, no there's one no, the, the, okay there's okay <laughs> if I have to bring it down to one and ironically um, it, it's something I've only been looking at the last couple of days um, this particular guy um, it it would have to be Rocky Rocky because Adrian. there was something about Rocky Balboa and the Rocky films which which will forever define my childhood. I can't think of another set of films that, that for me, made such a difference to me. As I got older, I did get into the Godfather movies and I thought they were great stories. But Rocky Balboa epitomised for me, and I think for most people who get Rocky, this, I keep getting up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there were so many metaphors for life and there's so many things that I personally over the years, I've got to say... I've done and achieved because I had that kind of mentality to think, you know, just get back up. Yeah, yeah. So Rocky, Rocky was by far, <clears throat> I right. think, my favourite character in in in, um, in a movie. One, two, three, or four? Two. Two. That's the sad one, isn't it? No, there's no, 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 no. Um, it depends on your class of sad. I don't know. For some reasons... It always seemed like the most sad. Like the, I think the music, the I think the production the, 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 for me, the storytelling. The, the first one was completely and utterly. Um, it it was by far the first one was the one I'll always remember because having watched it the first time. Yeah. And even though now I have seen it countless times, and I've had that story told to me countless times through that film, I still kind of wonder. If he's kind of, you know, is, is he going to beat him? Is he going to beat him? And no, he doesn't. Now, yeah. the reason I like the second one is, 
no matter how many times I watch that, I still have to get up in my seat when they're climbing up ropes at the end and Apollo Creed slips down and he stands yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the beauty of that bit was is even now, knowing the story, knowing exactly what's going to happen, I still get excited by that. There's something yeah. about it. Yeah. And interestingly, any story has got elements in it that add to it and it's also the music. The music's amazing. Dum, yeah. da, 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 dum, dum, is that John bum, Conti or something? It is John Conti. Da, da, yeah, da, yeah. Dum. And I'm, even now I listen to it when I'm going out running. The, the, the training sections are just They're unbelievable. Insane. Yeah, yeah. But there's a bit there's a bit in number two which I really get because in number two, his wife, um, Adrian, gets pregnant. Yeah. And then she has a trouble. She falls out of the her, her brother, yeah. Paulie. Yeah. Um, and she ends up putting in hospital. Yeah. And he's there visualising or he's having a visual sorry yeah and the most powerful bit in that film is where baby comes round and they're all saying it and yeah yeah and then Rocky just says you know uh, listen I've been thinking Adrian you know if, if you don't want me mixing with Creed no more yeah yeah you know yeah. we'll find some other way so when she says win and she goes well I want you to do something for me well, yeah, she yeah. says come here come yeah. here and he goes right and he goes win yeah yeah win and then little Mickey behind goes what we waiting for? And he gets up, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. Next thing you know, he's doing press ups, drinking eggs, and carrying on. Yeah. So I think two was the most powerful. Yeah. Um, three were all right. I thought the far Russian bit. I was getting to an age then, in fairness, where I was probably my late, my mid to late teens, yeah. mid teens anyway. Yeah. And I went to watch that with my dad, and I thought it was very. I don't know. I I, I didn't like that as much. I went to see um, Rocky Four with my dad. The lyric in Leeds, the flea pit. Yeah. It were, um, yeah, but I remember that going Rocky with my dad. Four, Rocky three. Yeah, Rocky Fall Russian. Yeah, yeah, Ivan Drago. Where's yeah. the flea pit in Leeds? Well, it used to be. It used to be called the lyric in Armley. Oh, no, I saw it in Leeds as well. I saw it in yeah. the, on the top of the hedgerow. Right. And then there was one thing. The only thing, if, if I've had to speak to people who wrote Rocky, which I'm guessing is Mr. Stallone, I thought Rocky Five, where it was. Did horrible. you notice why I said one, two, three, and four? Yeah, Rocky Five. It stops. No, no, there's not. But do you no. know what's interesting, John? You say that. I think that was a blip. Yeah. I thought Balboa when when he came. I thought that was an interesting film, not as good as the first no. the first ones. No. And I've got to say, I've been watching those Creed movies. I haven't watched them yet. I, I refuse. I'm not sure they're right. No. No. There comes a point with the story you can kick it too far. That's why I said one, two, three, four. I like it. Stop. Stop. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Aye. Any more questions about Rocky for me? Don't know. Really, it's like we all love Rocky. Who were your favourite? Uh, who, who was favourite fighter than his opponent? Even my the one I thought was favourite. I I liked him. <sighs> I've got to say, it'd have to be Apollo Creed. It has to be Apollo, it doesn't it? Creed. Yeah, and yeah. what I love about the old story of those of those films is, and I could even take it further into where we are now with, with Creed, I like the way that, that that friendship grew through the films as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember in Rocky Three a, a famous bit in that, which I got out of Rocky Three is when they're on the beach. Because in Rocky Three Stallone looked buff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy, I mean, a good-looking dude. He had yeah. jacked, you know, yeah. I, mean, I think looking back now, I think we know a few steroids were involved. <laughs> there may have been. But he, he, looked, he looked amazing. Yeah. Rocky <laughs> 1, he was just a big lad. Yeah. You know, he weren't no most. Rocky 2, yeah. he got a bit better, but yeah. Rocky 3, he looked amazing. Mm. And he had that tan on him and, you know, the, because he, and I suppose it's true, you know, he, he was, um, 
he, he was that character in there that had progressed from nothing to being the world champion, had the money that went with it. So he looked the part. Yeah. But then there's that bit with Apollo Creed on the beach. Where, you know, there ain't no tomorrow. Him. There ain't no tomorrow. Yeah. Come on, there ain't no tomorrow. And um, then that bit at the end where they're running through and he beats him and then they start hugging on the beach and jumping about. Yeah. And they're great bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think as it went on, you kind of, you got to understand Rocky. And you got to understand the the kind of character as that guy that could take an awful amount of pounding. And I know for people certainly my age, it got in like one or two lads into boxing. Yeah. At which point you realise hitting the face a few times is not just quite as comfortable as maybe Balboa makes it appear. Yeah. Stings after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky. Mm. But you see, it's funny there how we've both talked about the films. Yeah. I want to think now. I mean, something else that I thought was really interesting about telling stories how we. Um, there are other ways we can tell stories that, that 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 you can't watch on film. Right. So we've talked there about the films, but I have a, I have a quite an enjoyment for poetry. I quite like poetry actually as well. What's your views on poetry, John? I'm not really good on poetry. Like, I don't know. I don't understand that. If it don't rhyme to me, it's not a poem. I I used to. Like, I remember at school and I bought a Spike Milligan book, and that was my poem. That you know, that was my poetry. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I think the thing, I mean, you, you, it sounds there, you know, I suppose when anybody asked to, to, to name a poet, I, I, I suppose you could ask a lot of people a lot of times and not many say Spike Milligan. No. Um, but but in, in himself, he was very poetic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. think the, the reason I mention it is that part for me is, is any story you get told, whether it's a, you watch a, a short clip, which I suppose you class as an advert, adverts of stories. They're yeah. all minute stories in, in, yeah. in a few seconds. It's it's how it makes you feel emotion, and I find some poetry quite um, moving. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I have to be careful sometimes because sometimes I think you are you meant to like a poem because people say it's popular. Yeah, like that one about the daffodils. I wandered lonely as a cloud on whatever is by um, Wordsworth. Right. I don't get it. No, I, I, I just don't get poetry. It just, yeah. I'm going to tell. I'm going to. I'm going to quote a poet to you. A poem to you, John. So, Am I going to cry? Yeah, I don't. You're going to cry, but you might have heard this. And ironically, I, I didn't get this poem by um, reading a book. Um, it came from a film. All so right. You, so if, you, it's, you, if it's from a film, right, no, well, right. maybe you will. But um, see if you can tell me what this is. And I'm, I'm having to fill a bit here because I'm. Uh, you're looking. For I'm it, using my phone. Yeah. Mm. Right, this is a film. It was in a film. Right. Um, and this is by Ernest... Oh, Emist... William... William... Ernest Hemingway. No, William <laughs> Emist Henley. Right. Okay. Now, I'm just going to see if I can find ooh, the words. It does help if you're uh, reciting a poem to know the words. Yeah, but they're going to have to think. Yeah. I'm not going to give you the title because the title will give away the film. I'll tell you the, the poem and then see if you tell me what the title is because the title was the film. Okay, okay. Right. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, 
I'll charge the punishment, the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It's not Charlie and Chocolate Factory, is it? The, uh, the title's Invictus. All right, okay. And it was a film about how the South African rugby mm. team won the World Cup and it had Nelson right. Mandela in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I've not seen that. It's a great film. Mm. But it has another act in there. I mean, it, it was a truly... I mean, you ask about favourite characters, but I mean, you talk about great actors. There was... There was um, it, it has Morgan Freeman in it. I was going to say Morgan. And Morgan Freeman says that poetry much nicer than me. But the point of that is, it's that idea that when I, when I like those short poems because like a short story, I always feel empowered by listening that I feel quite pumped yeah so poetry so we've got we've got this idea of people writing stories and is there any is, have you ever read a, a book I mean I, I sound like I'm clever is there any is, have you ever read a story book and thought well I like that story or have you never been a big reader never been a big reader I'm not not into it at all like I watched the film but the book I just I don't know I find it find it difficult to read and visualize i end up like reading the page and then i have to read the page again um i'm not very good at reading i'm a bit like that yeah and it just doesn't because of that it takes the enjoyment out of it so well we're, like, we're recording given... we're recording this podcast in my office and, yeah um, as you can see to your right hand side or left hand side my my left right hand side, side yeah is <clears throat> there's books loads of books in that but all of them yeah. are books about doing something or being something like yeah. there's books on photography there's books on yeah. um coaching there's books on how to get stuff done and yeah i think i only experienced reading a i'm quite embarrassed to say this a, a, a proper a proper story um this year really it was yeah. don quixote all right right and the reason I read it is I was in Spain, and one thing I think about stories is sometimes a story is powerful, not just in its in in what it says, is where you say it or how yeah. you get it told. So I was in Spain, yeah. although it's a beast, I suppose it is Spain, but yeah. this was set in kind of mainland Spain. And to read that story in Spain, I found interesting. Yeah. And actually, once I got into reading it, I was a bit like, what happens next? Rushing forward. Right, yeah. And I'm bad with books, so I'll get to think, oh, how many pages have I got left? Yeah. Which I find a bit off-putting. Yeah. But I think, again, some of the ways that, that I think we'll go with this art of storytelling thing we're doing is we will have some written content. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Blogs are quite interesting. Yep. But I like the idea of people sitting around and explaining a story and telling a story to each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like to know yeah. what they got in it. It's interesting how we talked about the Charlie Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Now, you had your favourite bit. Yeah. I had a bit that powerful to me. I yeah. mentioned my own, oh, yeah, I remember that. It's when he did this yeah. at the end. Well, as soon as you said it, and I thought about it. I knew which bit you were going to choose. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So you think, the, the, the thing that I, I suppose, um, feel about, and the reason we I think we call this the art of telling story, is I think it's something that, if it's done right, it can have a massive impact, like any art can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We look at yeah. art as in, it's a photograph, yeah, it's yeah. a painting. Well, yeah. let's be fair, we tend to class art as painting. Yeah. Because if it's, if it's done in... It's sculpture if it's if it's something that's a bit more three D. What about drawing? I would class drawing as art, yeah. Right, yeah. See, I'm not so what sure. About graffiti. It... Well, I think you're into a different world there yeah. because I I think I'm gonna. This is where I'm not gonna have a go at photography, um, but I think photography is an art. But I think if you if if you said to somebody what is art, they would all say painting, drawing, 
I think graffiti is yeah. yeah. a long answer to that, a short answer yeah. to that, that's, yeah. that thing. And I think we've got people now in our kind of time that have come out like Banksy. Yep. That have taken that to a different level. Yeah. But the other person, if you think about art, there's always, there was that, there was kind of a movement, I suppose, back in, in, the, in the early 90s uh, when people like um, Damien Hirst came out. Right. Tracy Emmett. Yeah. And these were people that shocked with their art. Yeah. You know, pictures of a sheep cutting half and putting yeah. formaldehyde. Yeah, some toilet. Yeah. Now, for me, that in itself is probably a little bit daft. Yeah. And I think if you'd asked Damien Hirst, he did it for that reason, it was a bit daft. Yeah, yeah. But what I like to do is if I if I go to a place where there's art and I'm just looking at it, it's, there's an experience in that. Like, right. if it, like a photograph, there's an experience in that. But when yeah. someone explains it to me, I find that so much more powerful. See, I don't. I think it's blagging. Like, blagging. Explain that, John. What do you mean by blagging? I think sometimes I'll go with photos because I understand photos. But I'll go to a gallery and I'll take. I'll look at it. And I'll go. What is that? Look at the state on that. There's there's no light. There's no composition. There's no moment. Why is that in a gallery? And then you have to read the spiel. It's like, well, why should I read the spiel? to see that it's a good picture like you should be able to recognize a good picture straight away for a good for a picture it'd be good it needs nice light good composition and a moment and if it doesn't have that then it's nothing it's just blagging into it so and and we'll go back to social media i'm sure we'll be discussing this at length but i'll see some wedding photographer that is brilliant at saying how great they are and then all of a sudden I'll see a picture and he's just bland. But then they'll have a massive description about how great it is. And it's like, oh, well, well yeah. I think you're onto something there in that if it's saying how great it is, I think that's different to saying what the story might be. I think this is, again, is what's interesting for me is I I would have to, Disagree with That's that. That's fine. You can disagree. No, but, that, but, all but, right. but you know what, John? This yeah. is something. In our day now, people don't disagree anymore. No, I know. I what know. ends up happening is they get into this, this this bit of a scrap over. I think this. I think that. Yeah, yeah. There's no movement in between. So I think I think what's interesting is I can look at some photographs or pictures of art and I don't need an explanation. Right. Because it hits me. Yeah. And and there's there's a lot of it. So what I tend to do. I'm a bit of a, a, a bugger for going and looking at a photograph or a picture, liking it, then finding out about it. Yeah. There's a there's a, a piece of art by um, Salvador Dali. Oh yeah, yeah. Called the Persistence of Memory. Right. Well, I love the title to start with. Yeah. And to be honest, if I asked to if I asked to describe it, I find it very difficult because it looks like there's like a melted duck and there's a horse and there's ants and you'd have to see <laughs> Persistence of Memory. Right. But when I first saw this, I didn't see it as a, I didn't see it as a picture actually. No. I saw it as a sculpture in France, right, in a Dali museum, and I, I got, I loved it. And then I saw the photograph, found right. the picture, got yep. a little postcard of it. Yep. And from that moment, I was somewhat hooked on Dali. Right. Yeah. Because when I understood what Dali was about, and quite frankly, it was as mad as a box of frogs. Most artists are, to be fair. I got into his head, and I thought, I like you. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up going all the way to where he lived in a place called Port Legat. Right. Um, and I went to where he's buried, actually, in a place called Figueres, right. which is um, in Spain, near Bay of Roses. Yeah. 
But I think sometimes when you have some, when you understand the story or you understand the pitch in a bit more detail and what it means, I like that. Yeah. So I think I think I get what you're saying about you want to see it looks right. It's like your photograph that's behind me on my wall. Yeah. Of of some I don't know what it is some early nuclear warning system in Castleford or something or whatever it is. Some radar dish in radar, Bradford. Radar dish in Bradford. That's, the, word, that's the words I was looking for. Yeah. I think having that understanding of going deeper. I'll tell you one of my, my most... Um, I mean, we're talking about art a bit here, so I'm going to tell you about my most um, disappointed experience of art. Right. Because this, this is, there's a meaning behind this. Go with me. Stay with me, listeners. We went to Rome, and I wanted to see the Sistine Chapel. Yep. In the Vatican. Yep. And you you end up queuing to get in, and the tech, it's like anything. It's a bit like if you go on a a brewery trip to Tetley's. Yeah, because I drink. Don't I? You drink. Well, even if you didn't, you understand the concept of a brewery trip, is this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People get taken round, and really, yeah. all you want to do is you want to go to you free just bar. Drink, don't you? Don't, so yeah. you didn't need all that bit beforehand. Nah. So I'm thinking, okay, I want to see Sistine Chapel. So if yeah. I could have opened the door, walked in, seen the Sistine Chapel, and gone out, I'd have been a very happy man. Yeah. But because you paid for it, and it's you know a few notes, and there's somebody taking you around, explaining stuff to you. Yeah. You have to kind of go through all the other stuff. Yeah. And we went through corridor after corridor after corridor of art. And artifacts. And after a while, you just think, it don't mean no, no more. No. Oh, another another vase that's 500 years or 5,000 years old. Yeah. Oh, another Renaissance picture. Yeah. So it becomes too much. Yeah. What I really enjoy about art or anything is having a single focus on something and then going to that deeper. So I'm wanting depth in the art rather than... I don't want lots of it. I want one bit to go deeper. Quality, not quantity. It's the same with the story. When I when I start to find a story that I find interesting, I want to go deeper with that. Yeah. So for me, when I look at stories that, that maybe art films and the art pictures... Things like the stories I was I was told growing up, you know, things like, um, you know, we all got told the story of kind of the, the Snow White and the, the Seven Dwarfs, like I mentioned that already in this podcast. Yeah. You know, the, the Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yep. And actually, if you take those stories and go deeper with them, th- there's always different meaning in these stories. Yeah. As yeah. the same thing with any art. Yeah. So I think if you bring that together, the art is about, first and foremost, do you like it? Yeah. Me and my mother, I mean, yeah, my mother's not, you know, she's not old, old, but she's in her 70s now. And, you know, she'll always go on about the stuff like, oh, that's not art to me. Yeah. What is art at the moment? And she yeah, yeah. she very much likes um, pictures that basically walk us. Yeah. And both me and you are from um, Yorkshire. And from your neck of the woods, I bought a painting off a guy down there, Ashley Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I bought an Ashley Jackson. Moody. Yeah, Moody. Well, he yeah. all about his skies. But there's also something else in every single photograph from Ashley Jackson. You may not know, but now you will. I'm going to tell you. He likes his um, telephone lines. All right. If you look at them all, they'll have some telephone lines. Well, that's somewhere. controversial because most people don't like Jackson. You look at his photographs. I spend half my life photoshopping tele- telegraph well, poles out. I went to, I went to meet him. At this time, he'd just done a program on um, local TV. I a, remember a, it. A brush with Ashley. Brush with Ashley. Did, what were the three colours he used to use? He used to use crimson, red. Burnt amber. Burnt amber, and there were another one, weren't there? Oh, do you know what? I, I, I remember watching it, and my dad were writing to um, Ashley Jackson, and they had this print, did my mum and dad? They bought this print. 
And, you know, I'm sure people know this, but there's an original, then you can have a print, and you can have a signed copy. So this was a print. It's a good sales one as well. Well, he did a number on me, John, because I went to see him, right, and ended up coming out with three pictures. Um, and one of them was the one that my mum and dad had in, the, in, the, in, in, the, in their living room, and they had some... And mine was about... Bear in mind, they had it a long time. Yeah. And mine were about 50 or 60 copies later, so he, don't, he obviously do not sell too many of that particular No. But we went there, and I remember saying, because we, we got telling it, there's, basically this is a picture of a there's, a, there's a, there's a very big piece of land, and then in the distance, um, there's all these moody skies kind of in the foreground, yeah, yeah. and in the distance there's yeah. this bright sunshine. Yeah. And they were telling me, I says, oh, that's interesting, what does it mean? And he said, oh, you know, it's my adaptation of the uh, of this, that, and the other. And he was telling me it's about the moors and, and the moodiness. I says, do you know what, Mr. Jackson? And at which point he said, no, call me, Ashley. So I'll tell you what, Ashley, I said, that sums up every single day I used to have as a kid. Right. He says, why is that? He says, because wherever we walk, weather were crap. Yeah. They're always better in, 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 somewhere yeah, down the yeah, line. Yeah. So we yeah. used to be chasing the sun. He yeah. said, I've never seen it like that. Right. Yeah. I said, there you go. Um, but when you, when you see pictures and paintings, me and mother don't agree. You know, she said, oh, no, I don't like a painting if it doesn't look like that. Yeah. And I think people get very opinionated about some of the stories like with the films like with music it's very it, it can it can be very controversial what's good bad or indifferent yeah so i think when we're telling stories it's we almost have to be open to let a story or a film or a picture maybe grow on us let's not be open to let's be open is what i'm saying yeah so i don't think there's any bad stories or poor stories i think there can be some poor storytellers yeah um, and, and we have to see that in films where somebody does a, a, another version of something else, like Charlie Chocolate Factory. Leave it. It just, it weren't good. You, know, you, you would never, you I mean, bear it. in mind, I have to say, you know, um, Johnny Depp is, is a cool dude. He's been in some great films. He is a cool dude. But he but ain't, leave it. he ain't Willy Wonka. He ain't Gene Wilder, is he? Gene Wilder will always be, I don't care what, I mean, obviously dead now, but yeah. he, he, he was always going to be that. He was, absolutely. So I, th- I think... All this thing about telling story is, if something moves you enough, it becomes a meaningful story, then we try to share that with other people because the idea of sharing story, I think, is something that goes back many, many, many years. Yeah. Sat around telling yeah. tale. Yeah. yeah. And we don't do enough for that. No, no, not at all. Because what no, we no. seem to do in these days is we've gone straight into this concept of let's just share it on Facebook. Yeah. And I don't think that's the same as sitting down and explaining the story. Not at all. No. No. I mean, you really must remember me and Sue were always talking about this yesterday. Um, and for those that don't know me and, and never heard this before, Sue is my partner. Um, and we, I said, Sue, I said, remember when you used to go on holiday and you'd take a camera with like 24 photographs or whatever it was? Yeah. Then you'd take them back home and you'd, you'd yeah. look at them. You and won't then, look at them. You'd send them off to get developed. That's what I mean. You send them, and then you'd look at them. Six weeks later, then you'd still then you'd see your thumb. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're all wrong. But... Yeah. They're one of the worst things that, that anybody really wanted to do is when somebody, you'd like to get on and say, we got photographs back from all day. We'll come around on Sunday night and we'll have a yeah, look at them. And think, oh, please, Grandma. Mm. So so the thing is now is I never really enjoyed other people's photographs of their holidays. No. Nah. And now with social media, it's forced upon us everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so, so I think this, this idea now of telling a story and getting around and telling stories is something I think we've talked about wanting to encourage. How do we get people to come away from sat behind a screen or yeah. chit-chatting online and saying, couldn't you get three or four people in a room and tell some stories? Yeah. Absolutely. And those stories can be fairy tales. They can be yeah. stories that are factual, stories that are made up. Yeah, yeah. When, um, 
when when you first started taking your your, your kind of um, you you got your camera out. Yeah. When, when did you first think I can tell stories with this thing? Or did did you did you think I could tell stories if I had what what came first, the lover's story and knowing it's powerful, or using a camera and seeing what came out and thinking that tells a good story. I think love a story really. Um, don't know because like when when you're working in an industry, you just you end up following what everyone else is doing because you think that's what you have to do. And it was when I was starting to get bored, bored of taking the same pictures and looking like every other photographer. I thought, well, there must be ways to do it differently, you know. So then it. <laughs> I didn't really do it on purpose. It just evolved. So someone had te- so I'd, I'd be hired to go into some, I don't know, some manufacturing industry or something, and people would be like, "Right, can you take a picture of this machine? It's cost us hundred thousand pounds." I was like, "Well, I can, but it's not really interesting, is it?" It's like, let's take a picture of someone using it, then it brings it to life, and I think it just evolved from that. It's like I worked out that. If someone shows me what they do, then I can just tell that story around what they do. And it's more interesting than if someone's just looking directly at a camera and it's all very set up. It's, you know, people are interesting, you know. So that's kind of where it's come from. I didn't do it on purpose. And then specifically like weddings. Weddings is a massive one, you know. It's like traditionally people, there'd be an old bloke standing outside gathering people round next to a church with a tripod shouting at people just taking the pictures but then that changed like i think with digital and people didn't have like 24 or 36 pictures to do it it's kind of right we can actually tell the whole story of the day and yeah it's so powerful when you actually see it for for real and there's so much happening so you don't even have to set things up, you know, and that's how the story just evolves. You just capture what's there in front of your eyes. You just change how you see things. Interesting. Don't know if that made sense, but yeah. The thing is, that's pretty much what I want. I think we both agreed we want from these 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 podcasts is what will they evolve into? Yeah. I, what I'm wanting to get is is really people who. What does story mean to them? How can we encourage people to tell more story? And how do we, how do we get people to be fearless about telling that story? Yeah. Rather than toning it down. Yeah. Well, I think people, particularly again, uh, social media, it just sugarcoats everything. It's not real. You know, it's not real life. It's, you know, we, we all have different emotions. We don't want to do certain things. But people are scared of saying that. It's like, oh, no, I'm terrified to do this. It's like this podcast today, like I woke up, drove here, eventually got here, like once I've found out how to get here because it's shut roads. But I was like, I'm just panicking. It's like, oh, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? Like last, last night I was hardly sleeping because I was worried about this plumbing <laughs> podcast. I was like, oh, no. But I was like, it's just talking to Gareth. With a thing in front of me and some like Mickey Mouse ears on, you know, it's kind of, yeah, but you worry about these things, but but people don't tell you. No, they don't tell you. People go, oh, today I just did a podcast and I, I nailed it. I was amazing. I was like, me, I've got a squeaky voice. I'm terrified of listening to myself and what am I going to say? But yeah. 
it's funny you, you say this because um, it's, you, we talked about this with photography when you did a little photo shoot for me recently. Um, and now you say, well, I know you quite well and you trust me. And the thing I've learned now, and I'm not saying I'm you know, a phenomenal podcaster, but I have the ability to think very quickly on my feet yeah. or sat down with the microphone in front of me. Yeah. So when I'm talking to somebody like now, as these progress, it'll feel less like me talking and it'll talk about us talking. Yeah. I've done it yeah, with yeah. Sue. Uh, yeah. You know, She's got to stage now where she can effectively start a podcast. Yeah. And I think you've always got to have that faith that at the end of the day, I'll, I'll make it easy for you because in my kind of working so with words, yeah, yeah. that's what I do. Because I think I often find it, one of the things I find quite strange these days especially in the the uk and specifically in the world of the business people that that, that 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 are out there it's where people go to learn to be a public speaker yeah and i think that's a bit like learning to be a photographer you can learn the basics yeah this is what this does this does and the other yeah but actually what you're looking for is your natural style yeah absolutely so yeah. one of the things that i do a lot which and especially when i'm talking in a group of people is i'm, I'm i use my hands a lot yeah and if you're on stage, I tend to move around a bit and people say, no, you should do this and you should move to the left on the stage for the past and the right for the future. And right. you've got to have your hands at your side and think, right. well, I know that's not how I speak. Yeah. The most powerful storyteller I've ever witnessed in public, I'm going to name drop a bit here, um, is I went to up for an evening with Al Pacino. All right. That makes me sound like I just went out for dinner with him. That's not quite the case. There were me and about 1,500 other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this guy came on stage, and I'll tell you who was interviewing him. It was, um, is it Tony Blackburn? No, Mike Tony? Reed. Mike Reed. <laughs> right, really? Mike Reed's one of the, yeah, Mike, it was well, Mike Reed, the DJ, and he was interviewing him. Really? Well, you got to remember, nobody interviews Al Pacino. No. When he came on that stage, the minute he walked onto that stage, till the minute he walked off, it was Al Pacino's. he owned it. Yeah, of course he did. You know, and he did that because he was talking about civil hoorah, yeah. you know, all those famous lines. Yeah. And what he did is he was sat there, he was in his chair, he had this shirt on up and down to his navel, he had like some beads on or something, like a scarf. Yeah, yeah. And nothing he did was in line with what a professional speaker yeah. would say he should do. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. it was phenomenal. And I've, yeah. I've, 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 no one's ever come close. No, no, but even like, if you look at every Al Pacino film, he always has a section where he has his own monologue because he's that powerful, you know? Every film, and I, this is why I love films, every film has a line in it or a scene in it which is always a powerful scene. Yeah. As any story should have. Yeah. Do you class it as a punchline? It's not so much a punchline because the punchline in the film tends to be the, the end and a lot of these scenes are, are halfway in between. So I think this idea is I want to encourage people to say, look, just have faith in if you're telling a story that you either understand or know, especially if it's a story about yourself, yeah, then you can't get it wrong. It's like if you if you ask me to explain what I did this weekend, yeah, I don't need to rehearse that. No. And I think what it is is when people struggle with doing something, it's because you think, hang on, I'm gonna to have to think about this. You shouldn't have to think about it too much. Because no. you should only really be your stories should you should own them. Yeah. So, for instance, if you're going to start telling stories, mm. like telling jokes yeah. or short stories, you've got to own and learn the story first. Yeah, yeah. Then you can share it. Yeah. It's like people tell a joke, you know, say, oh, I've heard this joke, you know, man walks into a pub and this, this horse comes in and it's, you know, oh, why <laughs> the long face? And, but, and, and so you think, oh, that's funny. That's so funny. you go into where they stand and say, oh, this, this horse with a long face walked into a pub and it's like, oh, I got it wrong, mate. I know. So people blow the punchline. I know. For me, storytelling should be 
stories choose you. Yeah. So I know, like the films or the, and, and specifically when written stories and verbal stories, you have to own them, learn them. And this, that's why there's an art to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for me, I have, um, I, mean, I won't mention it, to, well, I'll mention it, but I'm not going to tell it today, is I have a great story on Hansel and Gretel. Oh, right, yeah. Which is a really old story. It is. I watched it last week. But I, I was in a position once where I got the chance to play with this and we, we got the chance to tell the story in our own way and I, I made it all up. Right. I mean, I want to tell it all, but the rough thing is it, Ansel and Greta lived on some kind of really scabby housing estate somewhere. Ah, you know, right. Dad had a white transit van and yeah. all of a sudden it was the same story but told in a different way. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And, and one of the other storytellers, I suppose, that, that everybody would know about, Shakespeare. Yeah. He told some great stories. Yeah. And again, you can look at a Shakespeare play and you can see it done in the old traditional way, as in they're all dressed the same way. But then they yeah. bring it up to modern day terms. Yeah, yeah, still yeah. the same words, yeah. still the same story. Yeah. So for me, it's about owning your story. Yeah. And that's what I think when, you, when you're a communicator or a speaker or a photographer, you can, yes, you know how to use a camera. Yeah. Point this, twist that, press that. Because that's the principle of a camera. It's a button, a shutter, and it takes an image. Never changed. Is that in, what you do? In, exactly, John. I, I'm afraid I'm going to have that's why. Blimey. Exactly. Oh. Same with telling a story. Stand yeah. up, talk to people. Yeah. But what people I don't think do enough of is, is is really understanding the story they're telling, understanding the medium. Yeah. If you just want to doodle, then you can draw. Yeah. If you just want to take a few snaps for the sake of it. But what that ends up becoming for me is throwaway. Yeah. You think, what was the point of that? Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. that's what I think this world now has created. With more and more people being out there, podcasts are an example. There are podcasts is still a very small area. Mm. People, there's not that many people into them yet. No, no. But eventually, become like YouTube, where it's just full of shite. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I said to you, I said, you know, this is his first one. We have to see how it comes out. We'll play with it. Yeah. But the reality is, just because you can create something doesn't mean you should. No, no, no. I think you owe it to yourself and other people that you share your art with. Yeah. Whether that's photography, telling stories verbally, whether it's writing poetry or writing stories, you you owe it to the people you're going to share it with. Right. To to be able to deliver it in a, in a reasonable way. Yeah. And I think we can help people do that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because certainly, I I think when you look at people that speak, motivational speakers. I, that's I mean, we did it did come right back to this when we started about you know me saying I want to be a rah rah speaker like Tony Robbins. Yeah. Back then there was only Tony Robbins. Yeah. There was nobody else. No, no, no. In the years since, and we're only probably talking twenty five years, maybe thirty years, maybe, yeah. maybe about twenty five to thirty years ago. Yeah. Now there's hundred and one motivational, inspirational speakers. It's more than hundred and one. Fucking hundreds <laughs> of a man. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah, I find it quite. Um, it, what I'm saying, it, it, it dilutes the quality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why when you have a camera and you can take infinite number of photographs realistically yeah, because you can format your disc, yeah. Do, do you look back at the people that didn't have that luxury. Yeah. They seem to be more focused on that's the shot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the shot I want. Yeah. So I think this idea now of... Creating a, a community is what I think this will become through this podcast, through a Facebook page, through a social media, is encouraging people to tell their story. Yeah. Find a great good. find a great picture. Yeah. What were great about it? Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. we see what's great about it? Yeah. What funny story have you heard? Yeah. Do you know what the funniest uh, joke at the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh was this year? I do. 
Oh, I'm going to tell you then. It was quite. But I thought, is that the funniest thing that was said up there? It's funny though. Do you want to? Do you want to tell us it? No, you can. I'll 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 tell it wrong. I'll, I'll do the long face thing. Like, well, do you know what? I have to be careful here because I only read it once, but it says something like broccoli and cauliflower. Yeah, I keep saying broccoli and cauliflower. I keep saying broccoli and cauliflower. Do you know what? I've got florets. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's I, funny, isn't it? It's well, like, it's funny, but I'm thinking. So you're telling me now there was three thousand artists, yeah, over seven days, yeah, and yeah. that's the funniest thing that came out. I have to question that. Yeah, it's but amusing. everything else might have been like a story. That's a one-liner, isn't it? It, it is. It is a one-liner. It was. It was quite amusing. Yeah, yeah. It was quite amusing. Was that? But have you seen my Instagram? Do you know, uh, John? I've not been on Instagram for a while. I every single day, now. I put a dad joke on as my story because I don't like sto- I don't like to say, "Look at me, look at me." So. I did uh, today's, what did the priest shout at the salad bar? I have no idea. Let us pray. <laughs> I've got under, I've got millions of them. <laughs> How do you stop a dog? I don't know, John. Press its paws. Right, right okay, let's, 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 maybe for another day. I think that'd go well. I've got millions That'd go well. But I do, a, I do like a dad joke every single day. Yeah. We said we'd do a minimum of an hour on our podcast. Yep. We're at one hour and 12 minutes. Cool. So, and I've just killed it with... No, you haven't jokes. killed it. Well, well, I suppose what I want is we need to get the first one out of the way because I've enjoyed this this morning. It's been nice to chat to you about all this. And, and, and But I just thought what we'd finish off with is what are our aspirations for what we want this, the art of storytelling.com to become. So what's your aspiration? What do you, what, what, what do you hope you can get and maybe people that interact with us can get through what we want to do what's your aspiration i think like it says build a community build a community of people that want to come and just chat talk about stories you know get away from tv i know we've been talking about films and stuff but get away from tv and social media and just come out and meet people and just have a chat and just yeah talk around pictures talk around films talk about just tell stories you know but just be themselves genuine, like, don't come and tell us a story about how great your business is and, like, just use it as a network and just come and just chat genuinely and just, everyone has got stories, but bring their unfiltered, real, honest version, not the, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn version. So. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, at least I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you nearly get me off on a LinkedIn rattle then, John. I'm not going to bother. <laughs> no. I think the thing, for, the thing for me, what I aspire is, is like you, I really enjoy having conversations and hearing stories from people. Yeah. I like people telling funny stories. I like yeah. people telling me their own stories. Yeah. And I like to discuss things. And I, I want to create, I hope we can create an environment where we can discuss things safely without this need to all get offended. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sick and tired of folk getting offended. Yeah, it's happening now on on social media with comedians. Comedians are saying something. Yeah, people are saying I'm oh, offended. That offends this people or that person. Or yeah. it offends this. I mean, it's a joke. <laughs> you, you know, did you know the, the clue was in the tile? This is a joke. It's not sarcasm. Meant to be don't go that well on social media. No, I've been I've been been booted off Twitter by things I've said. So. No, look, yeah. I, I hope we can get people now to yeah. understand. You've all got a story. Stories can be funny. They can be sad. They can be written. They can be verbal. Yeah. Yeah. They can be in pictures, they can be moving pictures. And actually, getting to be able to tell stories and enjoy doing that is an old skill we need to start doing. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. I think if we get around that, it does come back to them the days of old. And I go back saying the good old days, because actually every day is pretty good for me. I mean, back in the 80s, it was nice when we used to sit around and tell the tale. Yeah, yeah. 
And I suppose that's a good word. Maybe that should become a strap line. Tell the tale. The art of telling story. Now we, we lose tell. But we're going to build a website. We've got one already, which is kind of playing with it. So if you want to check us out anyway, you can check us out at um, theartofstorytelling.com. Mm. And um, I've just realised right then this, we have not even introduced ourselves. Hi, I'm John. I'm, so it's John Steele. <laughs> I'm Gareth Boot. We are the, um, the Art of Storytelling founders. Is founders the right word? Just, we're just people. And we don't know what this is going to become, but we we're hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. And listen, if you've anything that, that you've heard in here that you liked or you want us to talk about any particular element of storytelling or any particular film you want us to discuss, because I think we'll do that. I, find, I, like I think the next time film. we need to say what is a story. Yeah, like, maybe we should. Define a story, but we won't do that Let's this time. Let's no, not today. No, 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 no. So you feel better now? You can sleep tonight? Don't know yet. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Listen. Have we ever sleep tonight? Bit, bit now late. all my hard work starts because we sat here with cameras and lights everywhere. They've all got edited and messed about with. But that's, that's, life, that's, that's my thing, isn't it? I've so, got to go photograph a, a company, so there you go. And I've got to write some copies. So in effect, I've got to go for another website today. So always telling stories, aren't we, John? Always telling online. stories, indeed. So thanks for listening. Um, you can follow us on social media. Um, we'll be putting stuff on Instagram. That'll get going. But as for now, if you search for The Art of Storytelling, or it's actually The A-O-T-S. I was going to say it's The Oats, but that doesn't sound right. The Iots. Iots. I don't know how we pronounce it. But if you go to our website, theartofstorytelling.com, you'll get all the links on there. Subscribe to the podcast if you would like. And hopefully, this will be on YouTube as well, so you can subscribe to that channel. But um, thanks for listening. And um, that's it. The end, John. It's been emotional. It has been emotional. <laughs> you lot out there, take care. Right.